0: Good morning. Good, morning. good morning, morning. It's good to be here. It is good to gather. It is good to worship, uh, whether we worship together or electronically. Just a couple of announcements before we begin our normal weekly Bible studies this week tonight at five uh, for our Sunday night Bible study and Wednesday night at six for the women's Bible study. Are are there any other announcements today? Anything coming up I missed? If not, our call to worship today. You got one. Ethan on Wednesday. All right, that's great. Yeah. Terrific. That is an announcement. Thanks. Anything else? All right, our call to worship today comes from Psalm 24. Hear these words of the Lord through David: "The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it; the world and all who live in it." For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob." Lift lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, sometimes we wonder. Who can enter your presence? And you answer that for us here. It is those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Those who do not lift up their souls to an idol or swear by what is false. We thank you that through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our hearts have been purified. Our hands have been cleaned. Our soul no longer leans to an idol. We no longer worship what is false, but we worship you. And so we thank you for the blessing that you promise for those who enter your presence through the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we are here today to proclaim that you are the King of glory, that you are the Lord who is strong and mighty. You are the Lord who is mighty in battle. You are the Lord Almighty, the King of glory. We are here today to worship you. And so we ask, will you please be with us when we sing? Will you hear it and be honored? When, you, when we teach and read, will you open our eyes and our ears so that we might know you and love you more? And when we pray, may you answer. So Lord, now we pray as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As David called the people to lift up their heads and to praise God, I call you now to please take Bible song, the green book there before you, and turn to Bible song number 49, The Character of the Heavenly Citizen. We are reminded in this psalm what is necessary to approach God's throne, and we are reminded that we have been given that through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let us stand and sing Bible Song 49, The Character of Heavenly Citizens. Be seated. Let us bow our heads and listen as I pray our prayer of confession. Holy God, we are a people who cannot wash ourselves or make ourselves clean. Even as your children, we love evil and resist what you have said is good. We demand justice for ourselves, but fail to pursue it vigorously on behalf of others. We are indignant about the oppression we read of in faraway lands, yet blind to the oppression taking place right here before our eyes in our families, homes, and workplaces. We feel good when we give money to feed orphans in foreign countries, but we often don't know or care about the widows and orphans who need your love right around us. Father, forgive us. Redeeming God, we praise you that you have washed us clean in the blood of your son. You placed all our evil on him so that it could be removed from your sight forever. Jesus suffered profound injustice for our lukewarm apathy and was fatally oppressed for our continuing failure to love and help the oppressed here and abroad. He became fatherless to pay for our careless disregard for the fatherless, and widows in our own towns. We crucified your precious son. And instead of hating us, you have given us his perfect goodness and welcomed us to your feast. We are left undone by your extravagant love and complete salvation. We ask you to wash our minds and hearts clean, moment by moment. Make our hearts good so that, our, so that works of kindness and mercy flow from us to the needy people you have placed in our lives. May we love them as you have loved us in our great need. Cause us to love justice and, like your Son, to suffer joyfully great injustice on behalf of others. Help us to love extravagantly as we have been loved by you. Amen. And hear these words of assurance from Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson. They shall become like wool. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 19, beginning in verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And may that Lord add his blessing to the richness of his holy and inspired word. Now is the time where we consider how we worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And I would ask you to prayerfully consider how you may worship. And I would thank you for doing that over this time of difficulty and pandemic. Statistically, it is only the churches that have electronic giving that are keeping up with their budget. And yet we are doing it without electronic giving. And so I say thank you to you and to God for the ways in which He has provided for us through the tithes and offerings. God and Father above, you are the one who watches over each one of us, and you provide for us just as you provide for the sparrows, and you call us to give a portion in return to you as our tithes and offerings, as a worship to you. And so we pray that you be honored and glorified by what has been given today, and may it be used for your will and for your glory so that your kingdom might come upon this earth and so that your will might be done. In earth as it is in heaven. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing and take your hymn book and turn to number 320. I am thine, O Lord. We are called to give not only of our finances, but of ourselves. And so let us be reminded of that as we stand and remain standing and sing hymn number 320 I am thine, O Lord. be seated. Please join with me as we answer the question. Church, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As I prayed earlier about God's provision, I would like to tell you a story that Bob told us in Sunday school about how God provides. Uh, many of you know Sierra and uh Wesley's wife and the girls, they were having some moisture problems in the house that had been ongoing and found out last week that the moisture problems were caused by a leak in the hot water heater. So Bob went over and fixed it and replaced it and after they got things cleaned up a little bit, Sierra decided to kind of go through the basement to see what was down there, what had been down there since they had moved in several months ago and she found two antique Maytag washing machines that still had the ringer on the side two of them. So she put them on Facebook for $300 and I saw them and I'm like, ain't nobody going to buy those. But Bob was telling us today, a lady called her up, came over and took a look at them, said that her mom, she remembered her mom using a similar washing machine when she was growing up and decided she wanted to go back to that type of washing machine. So she paid full price for both of them. She found a handful of other things in the basement that she also sold very quickly. And Bob said the amazing thing about it was everything that she made covered all the costs of having to replace her water heater and having to, to take care of the problems from that. And so when we pray, God meets us, sometimes even when we don't think and in ways that we don't think he's going to meet us, he meets us and provides for his people. And so let's remember that as we go to the Lord in prayer, that he does meet his people. He does provide for them. And we have just a wonderful example of God's provision for Sierra and the girls. On that note as well, Wesley should be home somewhere between the 8th and the 12th. And so we praise God for that as well and pray that he gets here um, quickly in that. Um, Continue to pray for Bill Harris as he is um, recuperating still from his treatments. His treatment should be about done, and then he'll have a follow-up with his oncologist. Continue to lift up Roy for his back issues. Um, We continue to praise God that um, Jonathan's back issues are still doing well. Um, Continue to pray for Kermit also. And we lift up Avery Pearson as she uh, had a really bad reaction to some poison ivy this week. And so pray for Avery as well. Are there any other prayer requests or thanksgivings? Well, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, we, we take your providence for granted. We profess that you provide for us. We profess that you have orchestrated our lives in such a way that we will be taken care of according to your will and according to your glory. We we profess that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and that you need nothing but out of your bounty that you provide for your people. We profess that all the time, but honestly, sometimes we profess it without really believing it, without really embracing it, without really resting and trusting in it and trusting that you do provide for your people and We confess that and we repent of it, of our lack of trust in what you provide for us. And even in the midst of our lack of trust, sometimes you provide this wonderful account of how you worked in mysterious ways, in good, God-glorifying ways in the lives of Sierra and the girls by providing antique washing machines that somebody decided they needed and were willing to pay for so that Sierra could have a working hot water heater and a dry basement and a dry house, and we we praise you for that provision, Lord. Thank you for that. Help us to to praise you more and more for that. Help Sierra and the girls to praise you for the goodness that you have brought into their lives. And Lord, just help us to to look at the things in our lives that seem ordinary. That may seem out of place and yet show the way that you have provided for us. Help each and every one of us to look at those serendipities that happen in our lives, those, those moments of quote coincidence that you use to provide for each and every one of us. And help us to turn especially to those moments of, of you working through the ordinary to provide access to the gospel for each and every one of us. For those of us that have embraced our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as our only hope, our only comfort in life and in death, we I ask that you help us to remember and to thank you for the men and women who spoke that gospel into our lives, who lived lives of sanctification, not perfect lives, but lives of repentance and lives of struggle against sin that showed us the way that you save and the way that you bring us to you would help us to thank you for all that you have provided help us to be grateful sons and daughters of the king or we lift up these other prayer requests before you today we pray for Avery and ask that you provide her relief from this poison ivy and Lord, ask that you help her family as they seek to minister to her in the midst of this difficulty and and um just provide strength for them. We thank you that Jonathan is is still doing well, and we ask that you continue to provide relief for him uh, through his surgery and through his exercises. We lift up Kermit as well and ask that you provide strength and healing, continued healing for him, and pray for Linda as she seeks to minister to him and and care for him as well. Help her uh, to be strengthened in that. We pray for Roy and his back and ask that the uh, the pain clinic would give him relief through, uh, for his back pain, and Lord, we ask that you would strengthen and give him healing in that. We pray for Bill, and thank you for his treatments, and ask that you would continue to provide him healing and, and protection from this, and we ask uh, your favor upon him and upon all whom we have prayed for today, and Lord, today we lift up our country. We lift up this pandemic to you. We know that you are sovereign over even the smallest of molecules, and we know that you are sovereign over this virus. And so we ask that you would work through the mutations of this virus, that you would work through our own immune systems, that you would work through the process of of developing a vaccine uh, to provide us relief from this virus. Lord I ask that you provide us relief as well from all the anger and discontent that flows in our country right now Lord you have you have given us an opportunity you have stopped and and stripped away so many of the distractions and so many of the things uh, that should cause discontent in our society and you have, Given us this wake-up call that says, "Set aside your anger. Set aside your discontent. Set aside your looking at each other with disgust and with disdain, with disdain." And instead of taking an opportunity to reconcile with each other and to turn to you in repentance, we have found a way to make it worse. We have found a way to fight over insignificant things. And to view those who disagree with us with disgust, with distrust, with anger and hatred in our hearts. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to turn to you as a country, as a church. Lord, give us wisdom in our daily walk as seeking to be good citizens of this country while at the same time being strangers and aliens because we are children of the King. Lord, give us a sense of peace and compassion in our country. Help us to not be rash. Help us to not be quick to anger. Help us to not do foolish things. But help us to treat each other with the respect, with the dignity, with the love that is due to fellow image bearers, of God. Lord, we love you. We know that you provide salvation. We know that you will be vindicated in all that you do. So Lord, help us to rest in you and help us to pursue peace in our families, in our friendships, and in our world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are back in Proverbs today. Back in Proverbs chapter 14, we will begin in verse 15 of Proverbs 14. Uh, when you get there, verse 15, we actually looked at it last time we were in this area. It's what's called a Janus passage. The Janus is a Roman god who had a face that looked forward and looked backward. And we have Janus passages because they point backward to what has already been taught and they point forward to what's going to be taught. They link the sections together. And so we'll cover verse 15 again today um, as we look at Proverbs 14, 15 through 32. Lift up your heads and hear the words of the Lord. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. A quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Evil men will bow down in the presence of the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. For his children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. A large population is a king's glory. But without subjects, a prince is ruined. Patient man has great understanding, but a quick tempered man displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down. But even in death, the righteous have a refuge. Let us pray. To the great God and Father above who has revealed himself and his will and his word. We cry to you today asking for understanding. Understanding that we can apply to sanctification and to living a life of holiness. Understanding that leads to greater love for you and for our fellow man. And understanding that helps us to worship you more. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. In a word, this passage is about justice. Now, justice is something that our country seems to be in the middle of a great cry over, crying out for justice, whether it's over racism or poverty or oppression, or our culture screams and fights for justice. But what justice does our culture cry out and scream for our culture seems to have built justice their idea of justice around the the the, the themes of oppression and revenge in a simplistic pres- presentation of what our culture screams for it it screams with the idea that you have oppressed me and then it hurts and then therefore, I have the right and am justified to turn the tables upon you and oppress you in the same way that you oppressed me. And many times the church is caught in the battle of not being quite sure how to address the idea of justice because we feel the weight and the pain of sins against other human beings. But we also see that if oppression is wrong, then oppression is wrong and justice should not just be the flip-flopping of oppression. But we don't quite know how to go about the fight, the pursuit of justice. The main reason for that is we don't, within the church, have a good understanding of what justice is or what it is based in. Justice, first and foremost, is an attribute of God that is based in his glory and in equity. Justice is something that God is. And so when we seek out justice, we should seek to see who he is before we seek to apply justice to our neighbor. It has to do with the fact that God looks at all people the same. And will ultimately judge each and every person with equity. By the same standard, which is his standard of justice and holiness and righteousness and goodness and love and mercy. On an earthly level, justice is rooted in the equity of the image of God. Each and every human being has been created in the image of God and therefore has dignity, has worth that is not dependent upon their economic or social status, which is what this passage today focuses on. But it is also not rooted in their ethnic status or any other designation that we seek. Darrell B. Harrison states it this way, that our desire to justice must take Both of these things into account, our concern must be first and foremost for God's vindication and glory, and secondly, for the dignity and worth of the image of God. In today's passage, Solomon addresses justice. After another discussion on the benefits of wisdom, Solomon looks at justice applied or justice pursued whether in the individual heart or in the king's heart. First is more benefits of wisdom. Now, Solomon begins this passage today, verses 15 through 18, going over some benefits of wisdom. Now, if you've been following along as we've been going through Proverbs, you see that Solomon does this quite a bit. Every now and then he will land on benefits of wisdom. It's because sometimes in the pursuit of wisdom, we can forget why we're doing it. We can forget the motivation for it. And we need to be reminded that there are benefits for pursuing wisdom. And the benefits that he focuses on today in today's passage is actually wisdom itself. Wisdom is its own reward. As we pursue a life of wisdom, as we seek to be, as he says here, a prudent person, who gives thoughts to his steps, we will grow in wisdom. As we seek to fear the Lord and shun evil, we will continue to grow in wisdom, and wisdom is its own reward. On the flip side of that, folly is its own reward as well. The foolish man, the simple man, will believe anything. He is gullible. He will believe anything and run toward it and apply it to his life. And in applying anything in his gullibility, he inherits more folly. It says in verse 18, the simple inherit folly. But the prudent, the wise is crowned with his knowledge. We see this this simple inheriting folly through their gullibility. We see this way too much in our world today. If you're on social media, and I know, thanks be to God, some of you in here are not. It makes your your walk in sanctification so much easier sometimes to not be on social media, I hate to say. But if you're on social media, every now and then you have seen somebody post that post that is just way too bizarre to be true. And yet they have posted it because it supposedly proves their point. The simple will believe anything. The simple will run with anything and all they inherit for that is folly. While wisdom brings about more wisdom and the honor and grace and reward of wisdom, folly brings the punishment of more folly. So Solomon reminds us that it is beneficial for us to pursue wisdom rather than folly. And then in his discussion of wisdom, he talks about justice exercise. And he begins by looking at justice exercised in the individual individual life. And he, he begins it with a, a negative example here. He says in verse 20, the poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. You know, verse 20 by itself would almost make it look like it is the wise person who is friends with the rich and shuns the poor. But when we add verse 21 in here, we see that verse 20 speaks to us of a very sad reality in our world. Who are we attracted to? Not for marriage or romantic reasons, but for friendship reasons. Who, who do we as human beings normally gravitate toward? The successful person, the rich person, the powerful person. We we give partiality to those who are wealthy. We give those we give partiality to those who are powerful. And Solomon reminds us here in verse 21 that he who despises his neighbor sins. Why is it a sin to despise our neighbor? Because as I mentioned a few moments ago, our neighbor is created in the image of God, rich or poor, strong or weak, powerful or destitute. Our neighbor is created in the image of God and therefore deserves our love, our companionship, our friendship. It's a justice issue. We look down upon the poor and yet lift up the powerful. We look down upon the sick and yet lift up the strong. And in doing so, we, we, we forget, in playing favorites, we forget that that person is created in the image of God. And because of that, they deserve to be treated with dignity and honor. Every human being reveals God to us in some way. And we should treat them with dignity and honor and and treating them with dignity and honor does not mean that we don't correct them when they're wrong. We speak truth to them in love. It doesn't mean that we don't apply the law to them and and seek to correct them. It doesn't mean that we don't proclaim the mercies of God to them and seek to see them reconciled with God. But it must be done equitably. We have a tendency to, to, to want the people in our church that can pay the bills. Not a bad thing to pay the bills within the church. But that's not the only people we invite to church is people who can tithe. We need the homeless person in here. We need the drug addicted person in here. We need the smelly person in here. Because they, too, are images of God and they deserve our friendship. They do not deserve our shunning. So how do we exercise individual justice? Well, Solomon gives us several ways. First, as I mentioned already, we begin by treating every human being we meet with the dignity deserve. This means that if you disagree with them politically, you treat with them, you treat them with dignity, respect, and with honor. If you don't like the way they dress, you treat them with dignity, with respect, with honor. If they don't smell like you. you treat them with dignity, with respect. And with honor, they don't speak the same language with you, you treat them with dignity, with respect, and with honor. And if they have a different skin color from you, you treat them with yes, dignity, respect, and with honor. It also means that we show our justice in pursuing and promoting honest work. He says, In here that he who works will be honored, will be wealthy, but mere talk leads to poverty. So whether your work, whether you are working to provide for yourself and for your family, or whether you're working to provide justice for those who are oppressed, don't just talk about it. Go out and do it. Go out and, and work God's wisdom into this world. Many of us talk about having to work, but a lot of us never move beyond the talk we must work to bring about financial security for ourselves and for our families but we must also work about to bring about true justice in our culture we are a culture who talks a lot or at least types a lot we must also pursue honesty and integrity toward our neighbor our Our passage today from Scripture in in Leviticus 19 talks an awful lot about treating neighbors with honesty. Neighbors in the Old Testament doesn't just mean the person who lives next door to you on your street. Neighbor is such a broad term that it includes anybody that you have ever met or could possibly meet in your lifetime. It's kind of a broad group of people, is it not? It's like everybody in the world. Now, Truly, we only interact with a proverbial handful of those neighbors in our lives. We only have opportunities in our lives to reach into the lives of a handful of those neighbors. But when we do, we need to deal with them honestly and we need to deal with them with integrity. That might mean speaking the truth to them about things they need to change. It might be being truthful with them about things that we have that we could share with them that really sometimes we just don't want to. It might mean speaking up on behalf of somebody who has had dishonesty and lack of integrity spoken about them for years, finally speaking up on their behalf with truth and integrity. Integrity. Finally, we must pursue God's goodness, and holiness in our culture. Now, I am not arguing for the law of the Old Testament to be the law of the country, but I am arguing that God's law should affect how the laws are written and applied in our world and in our culture and in our country. And we should pursue God's goodness. We should remind our elected officials for what God has called them to do. We should remind our government officials that God will hold them to a standard and He has given them the standard. As we grow in our wisdom and fear of the Lord, we will grow in justice, in the shunning of wickedness, in the shunning of, of shu- in the shunning of shunning people. As we grow in the fear of the Lord, and, and then finally, I know I said finally, but and finally we should pursue peace. We pursue peace by being slow to anger and avoiding rashness and avoiding quick judgment. When you see somebody mistreated, does it cause your blood to boil? It should just a little bit. Whether it's a people group or, a, or an individual person, when you see other people treating them in sinful ways, it should, it, it should grab your heart. It should make you sick in your gut. And the temptation sometimes is to rush forward in that rashness. And you know what? There are times when that's probably necessary. If there's actual danger happening to that other person, rushing forward in the rashness may be the right answer. But we respond in anger in our culture to things of injustice, and we respond rashly in anger. And when we do that, we make really bad decisions individually and culturally. We should pursue peace in our justice. But Solomon doesn't only address the individual when he talks about exercising justice. He talks to the king as well. Is that really odd verse? It just really seems out of place. Verse 28. A large population is a king's glory, but without subjects, a prince is ruined. Now, you know what? If you're a king over a country or president or governor over a state, it's a really good thing to have a lot of people in your state or country, is it not? You need tax revenue. You need people to build roads. You need all these things to happen. And that is a really good thing for a king to have a large population. But what does that have to do in a discussion about justice? Where do people want to live? In a just country, country or an unjust country? Why do you think people flock to America? Because we have a history of justice. We have a history of Christian justice, even though it may not have been pursued in a Christian way. The more just a king or a president can be, the more just his country is now there's this back and forth relationship between elected officials and the population the elected officials reflect the attitudes and vices and virtues of the population the population reflects the attitudes the verses the vices the virtues of the, electric, the elected officials who reflect the virtues vices and attitudes of the elected people who yeah it's all just back you know back and forth and circular thing there but Our government officials have a lot of power over whether or not we as a nation are just. Over whether or not we as a nation view individuals as images of God. Whether or not we as a nation treat people equitably, economically, judicially, relationally. We must hold our government officials to account for justice, for God's justice. A just king, a just government official can do a lot to move things forward. So Solomon has talked about benefits of justice. Solomon has talked about justice exercised both in the individual and in the king, in the country. And then he talks about the end of the just or the unjust. Verse 31, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down, but even in death, the righteous have a refuge. Back up to verse 19, evil men will bow down in the presence of the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. We see two things that will happen to the unjust in this. First is that they will be humbled. Evil men will bow down in the presence of the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. There will come a time Sometimes we get to see it, sometimes we have to wait, but there will come a time when the unjust will be humbled. When the unjust will bow down at the feet of the righteous. But there will also come a time, as we learn in verse 32, that the wicked, the unjust, will be brought down. That that brought down word there is a picture of utter destruction through judgment. Ultimately, the unjust will be judged. Revelation chapter 5, the fifth seal is, is opened and John is given a picture once again into the throne room of God. And you have the martyred saints there at the foot of the altar and they're asking God a question. And the question is this, when will you be glorified in our vindication? We were treated unjustly, we were beheaded, we were fed to animals, we were tortured for the gospel. When will God be glorified? And the answer is in the second coming and the ultimate judgment. Except God says you're going to have to wait a little while for that to happen. We'll see how you'll I'll show you how history plays out. God will judge the unjust, and he will judge them equitably. And that's a potential problem for us. Because see, many of us in this room and many of us in this culture put our hope in our pursuit of justice. We answer the question, what is my only comfort in life and in death? Well, I've been a really just person. But God will judge us equitably. Not according to our standard, but according to His. And His standard says the pursuit of justice should be concerned with His glory and with His worship. At the end of the book of Psalms, Psalm 146 is the first of the Hallelujah Psalms. It's a picture of how the people of God will worship Him in perfection and eternity. And what do they worship God for in Psalm 146? For His justice. For His judging of sin. And when we consider that standard, each and every one of us falls very short. Each and every one of us has, at some point in our life, treated another person unjustly. Which means that according to God's holy, equitable standard of justice, we deserve wrath. We deserve punishment. We deserve to be destroyed. But thanks be to God, He provided a way for us because our only comfort in life and in death is not our goodness, is not our justice. It is our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who took God's justice on our behalf on the cross. The equitable justice that our sins deserved was poured out upon Him so that we might have grace. And not only so that we might have grace, but so that we might have the ability to pursue godly justice in our culture in a way that honors and glorifies him. Not only are we reconciled to God through the cross, but we are reconciled to each other. I can treat you with the dignity, honor and respect you deserve as the image of God because I have been given grace from the cross. And The same goes for you. Without that grace, I pursue my own glory and my own definition of justice, but with that grace, I can pursue justice in God's way. Miroslav Volf is a man from Croatia. He's a, a theologian. Definitely don't agree with him on a lot of stuff, but I do agree with him on this. He wrote a book several years ago called "Exclusion, and Embrace, and Exclusion and Embrace. Miroslav Volf grew up in Croatia. In the 20th century. And if you remember your history of the 70s and 80s, 1970s and 1980s, you'll remember that you had the Serbs and the Croats there in Serbia and Croatia and Herzegovina. And if I get this right, it was the Croats that sought to oppress and destroy the Serbs. And Wolf was a Serb, is a Serb, and grew up with his life in danger as other people who looked exactly like him and talked exactly like him sought to oppress him because of his family's religion, sought to destroy him and his family because of their religion. And so he wrote this book after he made his way to America. He got an education. He he wrote this book, Exclusion and Embrace, to try to figure out how do I as a Serb seek reconciliation with the Croats? Or the other way around, man, I really just don't remember if I've got these right or not. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying. And he says what I said at the beginning. He said, my temptation, his temptation, is to look at those other people and say, they tried to destroy my family. They tried to destroy my friends. They tried to destroy my way of life. They tried to destroy my home. I deserve retribution. I'm going to take their family. I'm going to take their friends. I'm going to take their home. He said that was his temptation. But then he looked to the cross. And he said, look at the injustice of the cross. To where the perfect, eternal Son of God hung in the greatest injustice ever given. And did God, did Jesus call those legions of angels? Did he say, come down here and destroy the Israelites for their sin? What did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And Wolf said, That is my only hope for reconciliation with the Croats. It's the only hope for any people group that has ever suffered at the hands of another. It is the only hope for justice in our world. We can pursue justice in our world. We can pursue a justice that is based in God's glory and our equity equity as the image of God, but we must do so through the cross because it is only in the cross where true justice is found. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, your justice terrifies me. Or if I had to stand on my own in your equity, in your holiness, in your wrath, I would have no hope. I have no hope of reconciliation with you and without reconciliation with you, I have no hope of reconciliation with my fellow man. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the Savior who, who deserved to wipe out his oppressors. And yet instead said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Help us to be people who pursue pursue your justice and offer your grace to those who are oppressed and to those who are the oppressors. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn today comes from the hymn book, hymn number, excuse me, 14. Lord of the worlds above. He is Lord of the worlds above. He is Lord of all creation. Let us stand and worship him by singing hymn number 14. you go this week, take this blessing upon you. The love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. As we look at our unjust world, we are reminded that Christ is the hope. So we pray along with John. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.